You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. Go in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. As you make your way there, just a comment or two, and then I'll pray. Related to 1 Thessalonians, I end up having a little bit of a personal life crisis uh, in, in related to one of my sons in the fall, and I just kind of started 1 Thessalonians and wanted to, wanted to go through it, mainly because it talks about the end times. Today's message is how it all ends. And anyway, just so that journey, thank you for your grace, thank you for patience with me and my family and the support. Uh, kind of got discombobulated on that, and I, I actually want to return because I want this subject matter. I'm very, very, very excited about this message today, about how it all ends. And I have a number of things that I'll share with you about why it's important to understand what the Bible's talking about in terms of the end. And uh, so let's read together 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, and then I will actually pray. Paul here is talking to this church that he planted over three weeks, and he actually completely instructed him in this doctrine. And so we find here, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, again, by way of repetition. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. Now you want to pay attention to this, church. That we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. It's incredible. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So, Father, come now. Help us to truly understand your word. By the power of the Holy Spirit, come and anoint us all this day that we would receive your word and instruction over these things. Lord, for this section says that we should be encouraged. So let it be of a tremendous and great encouragement this day. We pray in Jesus' name. And the church says together... Okay, Tyler's message is how it, how it all ends. All right, so let me just jump into this, sort of to help understand, by way of introduction, the significance of this, because I know I've read some things, and we'll, we're going to actually go by, uh, back through that line by line. But this is talking about the rapture. It's talking about that the next thing on the prophetic calendar of God, in other words, what's the next great move of God? Well, we would hope a revival, right? And we would hope many people being healed of so many afflictions. We would hope that the cross would come and, and, and set people free of, of all kinds of demonic afflictions and whatever the case is. Uh, but the next big thing on the prophetic calendar is actually something called the rapture. Now, the rapture starts a seven-year calendar. And, and it ends actually with, with, with Christ returning. And so let me tell you on a personal note about Christ returning, okay? So are you ready for Christ's return? So this is in a reference of Revelation chapter 19. 
Again, we're here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. I'll walk through those verses. I'm giving you a reference that is going to go farther in these thoughts that is found in Revelation chapter 19. And in Revelation chapter 19, you find that Christ is coming back. He's coming back. This for, for, for he's going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. And, 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 and this is his return, the beginning of a millennial kingdom. Okay, so now he's coming back. He's coming back. Who's coming with them? He's coming with the armies of heaven, right? And so that is two things. I mean, it's incredible. And you want to be a Christian for this. <laughs> you, you, want to, you want to be in Christ for this. Because there's two groups of people that are coming from heaven, going to come down and touch down on planet Earth. There are two groups of people that are coming. The first one are angels, and the second one are the saved and the redeemed of the saints. That's incredible. Okay, so now I'm going to personalize that, right? Because I, I, in these last few years, I, I, I've actually, you know, had, the, had the, uh, the, the blessing and sadness of watching a few of my friends go home early, and these are related to our church. So I'm going to name five people that are, had home goings, and I'm going to show you how it applies. Now, listen, I, I'm not trying to give a comprehensive understanding of everybody that I've done a funeral for in the last two years with our church or three years or whatever, but here's, here's what it is. So, so I, I buried my buddy Marvin Jenkins, right? Marvin, right? So, so you know how Marvin's coming back? He is coming back with Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ is riding on a white horse. He is coming back with the armies of God to touch down on planet Earth. That's how Marvin's coming back. Isn't that incredible? That's your husband, right? And, I, and we, we miss him. I, I just love my friend Larry Sarlo, so I do miss him constantly. And so here's Larry, who is an incredible horseman, an incredible horseman, an incredible cowboy, an incredible farmer. And so now God's going to give him a horse. And Jesus is going to be on his horse, which is called Faithful and True. This is all Revelation 19. And he is going to be riding with the angels of God and with all of the saints who were coming by and coming down and are going to, and the purpose of this, if you're thinking, what is the purpose of Jesus's return? I'm so glad you asked that. The purpose of Jesus's return is justice to take care of every right and wrong and make it all right. That's the purpose of his return, his righteousness to rule and reign. So Larry Sarlos will be coming down. And then my buddy, Alan, Alan Alvera. Alan, Alan, Alan's going to be coming down. Francie, you're here. I know you are. Your husband is coming down with the armies of heaven. I mean, that's incredible, incredible promise. I think of our friend Marla Johnson. We love Marla Johnson. Just way too early, way too early for her to be with Jesus. Way too early. We don't like it. We really don't. But she loves it. She's stoked. And she is going to be coming back down as a warrior princess, coming with the armies of heaven, touching down on planet Earth. That's Marla Johnson. And Joe Vasek, Doc. Ha, ha, ha. I love Joe. I love Doc Vasek. What a great guy. And he's going to come down with him. And we can just fill in every name. That is the eternal destiny that the Bible communicates in so many books. I mean, we would be talking about, and we would start by just by way of reference. And again, I'm going to make this as kind of an overview, but we're talking about Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 11. You know, uh, we'd be talking about the book of Isaiah. <laughs> uh, we'd be talking about Ezekiel. Uh, we'd be talking about Zechariah. These are all biblical books referencing that from the Old Testament, talking into the New. And I haven't even told you anything specific about the book of Revelation. We're just going to camp right here in 1 
Thessalonians chapter 4. Lastly, by way of introduction, to help you understand these things, is, and it's why I want to take this kind of time uh, to do this, because look at verse 13 here, when the scripture says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, and those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. I want you to understand that grief in this manner is part of the Christian life. We just don't grieve like those who don't have hope. We have sadness. We have uh, depressive episodes. But we just don't grieve and go through those things as those who do not have hope. We do have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That's the whole purpose as we talk about this prophetic economy of God. And so, so go with me. Have you ever, now see, this is going to date me a little bit, right? This is like, you know, when my, you know, when I talk to, you know, the, the younger crowd of 20s and 30s or something like that. Forget about the high school kids. They're going to make fun of me. What I'm about to say, you know? But remember when you used to go to the movies? <laughs> right? We would go out to a movie. And so, so even before cell phones or something like that, you'd, even with cell phones, you tap and you go, hey, I'll meet you at this movie at eight o'clock, right? And so you're going to join with your friends. It doesn't matter whether you're married or single or whatever the case is. And there's always a chance that maybe something happened and you got to the movie theater and you were late. Yes? That happens, right? It can happen sometimes. So then you have to make the decision. Do I want to go into the movie late? Yeah, all my friends are in there. Okay, whatever. I'm going to go. I'm going to go into this movie late, right? Excuse me as you go down the aisle and all of that, and you're interrupting everything. Then you sit with your friends. Now you're watching the movie, but the movie's been going on for a long time. Do you understand what's going on in the movie? No. No, you don't. So then you start to bug your friend. Okay, well, what, do they love each other or are they mad at each other? Oh, why do why did he kill her? Why did he kill her? What, did, what, what are they talking about? Is that a space alien? Shh, shh, right? That's the way it is. What year is it, church? That's an easy one. You can shout it back. Right? 2023. So you understand that at a minimum, we have 2,000 years of human history. That's a long time. And then we have, at a minimum, another 2,000 years of history. And then now we're really academically debating that possible human history is somewhere in the eight to 10,000 year range, right? This isn't like, you know, some other archeological find. We're talking about actual humans. And the Bible has gaps as it records human histories. So it isn't, it's, not, it's not comprehensive. It's on a couple continents. And there's gaps as it records things. And, and so that's well accepted and understood. And so if you always are late to the movie, you don't understand it. And so God is actually revealing this to you for the sake of encouragement and spiritual strength. Understand the panorama of history because you were only born at this time and not even Adam, who is the first, would understand it from beginning to end. But here I've revealed this to you. And when you know the end, you have spiritual strength. And you walk through, walk through verse 15. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left, until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep, which means that if you're alive, when the rapture takes place, 
You don't go first. It's those who were there first in the grave with the Lord in the bosom of Abraham, as other references say, and then they will go and then we will join them. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven. That is an emphasis that's very unique in the language. Jesus Christ himself, he will be there. And there's no force in heaven or hell, to say it that way, that can stop him. There'll be the cry of a command. It'll be that God the Father will make the command. And with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. And so that's, that's describing that. Those who are dead in Christ, with this archangel, the sound of this trumpet, whatever it is, but just know that it would be truly awesome. And that would not be enough earthly language to describe the incredible nature of it. And then, and then there'll be this rising up of those who are dead in Christ first. Then verse 17, then we who are alive, so pay attention because that's you, who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another. And so we, we would be alive, like if the rapture happens right now, we don't know how that would be, but you know, we would actually really just be joining the Lord. I mean, we'd all just start taking off. We'd all just start rising, right? All over planet Earth and all over eternity, we would all be rising. We'd be rising with the eternal dead in Christ, and then, then we'd be rising, and we'd be rising. Look at it. Are you saved? No way. You're floating really good over there. That's nice. That's nice. Man, you're looking sharp over there, man. You're not in glory and you're looking good. Yeah, it's just how it's happening to me. I mean, that would be incredible. The size, the scope, the power, the beauty of it. But you have to understand this. You can't live as if you're just stuck in the middle of that movie and, 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 and not able to figure it out. The Lord wants you to actually figure, figure this out. So I'm going to give you some signs, and I'm not going to give you chapter and verse, but I'm going to give you a series of signs about things that are going to precede the, the, the rapture, which is the next important thing on the prophetic calendar. And so this is just some general, general things that the Bible is talking about. Okay, first, first sign before the rapture. Technology takes away privacy. How are we doing? Are you listening to me? Oh, you are. <laughs> that was the start of Jesus rapture, Jesus rapture. Yeah. Somebody on the other side will pick that up. All right, number one, technology takes away privacy. So you might be thinking, why is Google, why is Facebook, why are these companies taking away my privacy? Of course, it's for money. That would be sort of on the earthly plane. They're saying that I want to make billions and billions and billions of dollars, and that's what they would understand. But they do not understand that they are playing in to the greater global plan of Christ. That technology takes away privacy will be a sign of the rapture. Second, China becomes aggressive, militarily aggressive, economically aggressive. Is China becoming aggressive? Yeah. Third, Russia becomes aggressive. No, we've got, we're, we're three for three here. Okay, fourth, global markets lead to a one world economy currency. And uh, we are there. We are absolutely there. It's just a, a series of things that, can, that, that are in the way that, that can be moved out. Fifth, I realize might be really new to most people. The United States of America either disappears or becomes weak. 
We say that because when we study the end time calendar of, of God, there is no United States of America. And so, so for us, we realize if you look at the U.S., the U.S. militarily and economically anchors the world. Uh, if you're going to buy and trade, uh, really, no matter what China says or other countries, it is still the U.S. dollar that governs it. How much more so? We don't know. It is still our military soldiers that create world peace at, at heroic levels, attempting as much justice as possible. We're not perfect. Uh, but nonetheless, in order for the next phase of the prophetic calendar to happen, as far as we can understand, the United States of America disappears or becomes weak. I say that as somebody just like you who loves our country. Six, great revivals will be very common along with tremendous unbelief. And so you will see, you'll hear, you'll hear about these great revivals. Right now, there's, there's allegedly one going down in Asbury. At a minimum, it's something very positive and incredible going on in there. And we want to celebrate that. Frankly, we want to participate in it. We want a piece of that. We want a piece of wherever the Holy Spirit's blessing. There'll be these great, great revivals. They will be local. They will be regional. Some will be global in a nature. Some will be national in a certain kind of nature. There'll be whole industries, whether it's like entertainment or politics, that might enter into a season of complete and total total godly Christian revival, and yet there'll be other pockets of tremendous unbelief. And there'll be whole churches and whole church systems that will be in complete apostasy and rebellion against God. These are signs before the rapture. There's an order of events that will take place when we talk about, okay, well, how will it all end? How will it all end? So here's an order. There's an order. Now, now I'm going to give you some chapter and verse, and I'll make some comments as, as we go, and let's see if you can, if you can follow here. So, so the first one we've been talking about here is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 14. The first order event is actually the rapture. And you're going to notice now, as we drop down uh, a few verses to 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. Here's what's so fascinating about this church. When you go back and study it, in the book of Acts, you realize that it was planted and that they had the apostle Paul for three weeks. In other words, they've had the apostle for three weeks and he takes off and now he's writing back to these people. And so we know what it is that he actually taught them. And we're like, how did you get in three weeks to the cross, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the deity of Jesus Christ, purity and holiness, and end times? Like, how did you do that? Well, he did it. That's just what we know. He did it. And so actually, when you get into 2 Thessalonians, you realize that that teaching was so powerful inside them that they actually said, well, if he's going to stop, if he's going to be coming any time, then let's stop working. You know, let's just, let's just take a vacation. And so actually the Thessalonians, the people there, the Christians there, actually were sort of being irresponsible and they had to be corrected with that. So the rapture is the first thing on... Uh, the prophetic calendar. Second, that's going to be a surprise, is something called the Bema Seat. So everybody say Bema. The Bema Seat. This is by way of reference is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and this will be in verse 10. There's also another reference in Romans chapter 14, verse 10. This is actually the Bema Seat. So, oh, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. Okay, you are, you are just going to love this. So this is where you enter into a divine stadium bigger and more robust than anything you've ever, ever seen. And I know at first it's going to be a little scary, 
There's going to be, I don't know, a movie or a scroll or whatever on your life. However, that is the Holy Spirit that has actually recorded everything in righteousness. And, and if you don't have any righteousness and you only have Christ's righteousness, then it will find Christ's righteousness to show it to everybody else that so-and-so has Christ's righteousness in him. Then there'll be the things that you have done to labor in Christ that maybe you're not even knowing about or maybe you do know about, but those things will be there. And then, and then, and then Christ himself will actually bestow upon you rewards for that in front of all of heaven, where angels are actually forced to actually bow down and be in reverence of God, and where all the saints are saying, yes, yes, there's a, there's a child of God. There's a child of God. The Bema seat, in place of incredible rewards, and those will actually be thrown down as worship before God. Then next on the calendar is something called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so the marriage supper of the Lamb, there's actually, there's actually believe it or not, kind of two versions of this, and I won't split hairs with you right here. This is in Revelation chapter 19, verse 14. But basically, the marriage supper of the Lamb is, is, is a place of tremendous celebration. So one of the things that people don't understand about heaven, they really, really don't. Heaven is a place of incredible celebration, incredible celebration. And so the marriage supper of the Lamb is sort of this family reunion. You know, this is probably maybe where we're actually united with our loved ones in some way, shape, or form. But it's this family, family reunion where you're saved. No way you're saved. Yo, that's so great. That's incredible. What did you do for Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's just this incredible reunion of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation chapter 19, verse 14. And then, of course, out of Revelation 19, as I reference, there's Christ returning with the armies of heaven, that is, the saints and angels. Next, Jesus Christ, according to Zechariah chapter 14, is going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. Now, here's what's amazing. Is when he touches down on the Mount of Olives, all in that one fell swoop, if you will. It's funny that we call it a battle or battle of Armageddon. Uh, when God shows up, there's no battle. I, you know, it's like game's over, and uh, I, I've taken over. So he, he touches down on the Mount of Olives. It might not be coming quickly to your mind that Jesus was on the Mount of Olives when he was praying to go to the cross. He's actually on the Mount of Olives when he's releasing the apostles to start the church and tell them, wait in Jerusalem for 10 days, and then, and then, and then the Holy Spirit's going to come to you on the day of Pentecost. And then, they're, they, he, then he leaves. And in the same way he leaves, he's going to come back. That's all there right on the Mount of Olives. He's going to touch down the Mount of Olives. It's going to break into, according to Zechariah chapter 14, there's going to be a northern side of the hill, a southern side, and all this water is going to run to the Dead Sea. What you don't understand about Jerusalem, when you look at it archaeologically, better way to say it, is, is it's like a wedding cake, but it's like a wedding cake of a number of capstones that are on it, holding down all this water pressure. It has an insane amount of water in there. Some people think that it's, that it's infinite, and it's only because of of the nature of that region that there would ever be any water problem, although if you know anything about Israel, that's not the case. Simply to say is that the capstone over Jerusalem is the strongest water geyser you're ever going to see. Jesus breaks them out of olives in two. That water runs to the Dead Sea and heals it. Next on the prophetic calendar, humans, heavenly humans live side by side with temporal humans for a thousand years. So when we get into the millennial kingdom, so this is really wild. This is really wild because we could be here only in a redeemed area. But that means that those who came down from heaven, like those friends of ours that I just mentioned, so they're coming with the armies of heaven 
they will be living side by side in their redeemed body, in their divine body, almost angelic in that sense, right next to humans. And that's their blessing. Incredible. Next, on the prophetic calendar, something a little more humble, we have the lake of fire. That's in Revelation chapter 20. And the lake of fire is supposed to take sin, death, and the devil with them. And, and all of that is to be thrown in there. And humans can go into the lake of fire, but God doesn't want anybody to go to the lake of fire. That's why we're preaching the gospel, so that we can be saved. But there are people, unfortunately, that will end up there because they're just stuck all the way to the end in some form of unbelief, and they don't want to be there. They really don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. You do not want to be in the lake of fire. And so that's why I, on occasion I tease and I, uh, you know, hopefully joyfully and happily say, I'm going to heaven. Who's going with me? And what do you guys all say? Yes. Yeah, right? So you all say about yourselves, that, that's great. I hope that's true. Nobody wants to be in the lake of fire. There's a new Jerusalem that comes down in Revelation chapter 21, and there's a planet Earth fully restored in Revelation chapter 22. That's your broad timeline of what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen to us in this timeline of redemption as we see the Lord as he raptures us. So you're going to see God. Are you ready? Face to face. I want you to marinate on that for a moment. Listen, I, I don't want to talk about my personal circumstances. Many of you guys just know some, some of my challenges with my son and all of that, and, I, and we all have family issues going on. I'll tell you that pretty much the only thing that's ever comforted me right now has been that the Holy Spirit has somehow brought God's face closer to me. Good time to say amen. amen. You deal away with this temporal body which talks back to you. Deal, you deal away with all the temporal things, and now you have a new placement, a new eternal body, and you are face-to-face -face with Christ, uninterrupted with God. That's why the book of Revelation at the very end says, you know, your tears and your sorrow, you have tears and sorrow, they go away. They're wiped away. You need healing? You need healing like in your soul, and your spirit, deep inside, or even in your body? It's done. You get God face to face. As I mentioned, secondly, you get rewards. Third, in terms of what we'll possess, is many incredible celebrations. Fourth, in terms of what we'll possess, is new and perfect bodies. Another good time for amen. <laughs> Fifth, healed memories. So this is really fascinating about healed memories. So, so it's possible, if you're really a thinking person, that you could be in heaven, and you could have some offense with somebody or whatever the case is, and you could say, you're here. I hope I want you here. Eternity's a long time to live right next to you. Hey, come on, you know you've thought that. Or you're capable of thinking that. But, but we're actually going to have healed memories so that when we remember our loved ones and remember everyone, those memories are healed and sanctified through the blood so that we welcome relationships in heaven as we should. Six, I, I've, I've spent, I spent a lot of time. I mean, I'm going to talk about church years in terms of what believers will possess in eternity as we talk this stuff through, we will have many, many, many incredible adventures. You'll have adventures and adventures 
and adventures. And so part of the reason why we must mention all these things is because God wants you to know them. So, for example, go to chapter 5, verse 1, as we, as we kind of run for home here. Now, concerning the times and season, brothers, that's chapter 5, verse 1, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Now catch this, church. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we awake or sleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. The truth of all of this is that it allows you to experience the power of heaven right now. That's part of what it does. Secondly, it allows us to break free. And here's what I'm going to talk about today. It allows us to break free of curses. And it allows us to break free of this, of this world system that curses our life. And everything related to that, there actually are curses that are operating in the spirit world that causes very, very real problems. And this allows us to break free of that. If you want to know how to break free of curses, just read the Ten Commandments and take them seriously. It starts with, you'll have no other gods before me. And next, we get to understand human history. Incredible is the gospel. Incredible is God and Christ. And so, church, what about you? What about you? I'm going to heaven. Who's going with me, right? But that, that confession comes from something that is true, the need to actually confess before God. Stop messing around with God. I have a little booklet I'll be giving you soon called The Christ-Centered Life. We're talking about Jesus Christ at the center of your life. That's one way to conceive of that, Jesus Christ being at the center of your life. To truly understand that God wants to have all of you so that you can have all of him. He wants you actually to have all of him, but he has to grab your life and have all of you. I have a page in there where I say, many are fools, don't be one. Many are. Many are. And so I want to ask you to give your life to Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to come to that place where you place your faith in Jesus Christ for the complete and total forgiveness of sin for the gospel says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't happen because we think it or want it. We have it because of a grace that has actually been exercised by faith. We have to come to that place where we humble ourselves before God and are willing to repent of our sin and admit that there's something wrong with us? Are you so proud and arrogant that you're unwilling to admit that there are things wrong with you and that the Bible's word sin is actually a great overriding word to describe what is wrong with the human race and the problems that plague your life? Sin. 
Jesus Christ came to actually come down to actually at Christmas be born of a Virgin Mary and actually go to Easter, which is on the cross, so that his perfect blood would be the perfect lamb sacrifice for all of your sins, past, present, and future. If you think it's a miracle, it is. It's absolutely supernatural, and it's a blessing. But all of that won't change your life. You have actually got to activate it personally yourself by being willing to actually confess that before God, that you're laying your sins at the cross, that you are indeed a Christ follower, that you want to be full of the Holy Spirit, and that you want to follow him with all of your heart and mind, soul, and strength. Is that you? Because then it is you. Then here's, here's, here's that step. This is the step. Are you ready for our church? This is a step. Because Jesus Christ himself said something. He said, if you deny me publicly, I deny you heavenly. If you're going to be on planet earth and deny me, I ain't talking about you in heaven. You can be cast out. It's a bold statement. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.